dog and the lady. The dog is protecting the owner. That's the one you're supposed to kill. He attacked her. He tried to kill this lady. Let me get you this lady. I was right there. Put on a machete and start attacking random people. Machete about, about two feet away. He's on the ground over there. Yeah, the cops got him. They shot him. Stuff he was attacking all the cars going by. That's some motherfucker you need to let down. I'm ready when you are. In the smallest room in New York City, he comes to show that gives you a reason to live. To live, to live. In it's violent Brooklyn, a machete-wheeling maniac from the Boogie D who charged police with the weapon was corrected, shot dead, as it turns out. It's the ultimate uh, knife-to-a-gunfight situation after he nearly chopped off a woman's thumb. The incident took place around 6.30 p.m. near Dumont Avenue and Strauss Street in Brownsville. 1718 NYPD Chief Patrol Juanita Holmes said police received a call of a man slashing people with a machete. Saw a woman with her hands slashed when they arrived at the scene. Now, the man is a Bronx resident, identified as Samuel Lazaro. He's 18. He'd been smacking at cars in the area with the machete when police arrived. So it seems like he was uh, just standing there, really. Then slashed the woman's thumb down to the bone, even attacked her dog. The officers observed the suspect, who immediately charged him while armed with the machete. They gave commands to drop it. He did not comply. One officer discharged discharged a single round. I like to hear that. It's one clean shot. Joining me now, retired night watch detective from the NYPD, Pete Panuccio. Hey, Pete, how are you? Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm fine. When a, when a situation like this happens, what's what do you make of a suspect like this? I would I would think drugs, but what do I know? I'm sure it's a combination of things. He's probably on drugs, booze, some kind of psychotic issue going on. Um, you really, it's you shouldn't be walking around with a machete to begin with, but then you start hitting people with it. And then you hit the woman's dog with it, which guaranteed will upset people far and wide. Then you raise it at the cops. Well, you're going to get shot. Good work on the cops part. One round, one shot, one kill. Mm -hmm. It's I would not want to be hit with the machete. I've seen people that have been hit with machetes. They leave tremendous gaping wounds. Really? If you take a hit with a machete to your head, your neck, even if you're wearing a uh, bulletproof vest, it, you take a shot in the torso, you take a shot anywhere in the body with a machete, it, it, it's going to leave a mark. So Absolutely a good job. Uh, you know, there will be the naysayers. I don't know about in this case. Can you imagine them coming out? Why did they have to kill him? Did they have to? Couldn't they just shoot the machete out of his hand? That's always the naysayer comment, yeah. Why didn't they shoot it out of his why hand? Why didn't they shoot it out of his hand? Or if you're Joe Biden, why didn't you just shoot him in the leg? Um, contrary to popular belief, shooting people, especially when they're on the run and they're hyped up and running around, 
it's not easy. Even under the best of circumstances, it's not easy. So the, these particular cops did a great job here, nailing them on one yeah. shot like that. If I'm not mistaken, isn't it also like against the whole, it defeats the purpose of shoot. I mean, you're supposed to shoot to uh, immobilize, but it's because your life is in danger. So you're shooting for the center mass uh, because not only are you most likely to hit them there, but because that's the thing most likely to stop them. If you're playing around trying to just like, you know, wing the guy, uh, that that's really not the point, is it? No, what, what a lot of naysayers don't understand is that you only use your firearm in the most extreme circumstances. It, it's protect your life or the life of another. For you to actually shoot somebody, it's got to be bad. You're out of solutions at this point. There's nothing left to do. You're not going to tase him. You're not going to spray him with pepper spray. He's going to kill you. So it's at that point. That's why we give police officers firearms. That's why we give them the power to use those firearms. Yeah, That's where we're at. The whole object at this point is to stop the threat. You shoot center mass because that's where it's going to be most effective and best chance of getting a hit, and you stop the threat. That's it. And a lot of people really need to take their heads out of their ass and understand that when police do use deadly physical force, the situation is already bad. It, it's over. This is what's going to be done now. Yeah, uh, it's... It seems so easy. It seems so simple. Uh, policing isn't going to always be pretty. That's the whole nature of it. You have to use force, and force is something that, to a spectator, is going to look, you know, forceful. I'm sure that the woman and her dog were both very grateful that the guy was eliminated. I wonder who that woman was. I mean, apparently it was a stranger. Maybe it was one of the social workers that they send, you know, now supposedly to deal with these kinds of situations. Can you imagine how far they would get with something like this? I, I suppose, uh, you know, there, there's there's limits to what reasoning with a person can do when they're swinging a machete. And, you know, it was a pit bull, so, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer dog as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, the, if they did an autopsy on the dog, he probably would have baby parts inside him you know i think they they pretty much survive on babies i although the dog just was injured in the shoulder so he's fine uh he'll he'll recover and so will the woman so all's well that ends well and it's just another very violent day in uh violent brooklyn it's phrase that should never have to be said. It should be self-evident. Now, uh, another violent event. This is odd. I haven't seen anything like this. 50-plus cyclists, rioters without a cause, blocked traffic on Fifth Avenue. They suddenly surrounded and attacked a man and his terrified elderly mother as they helplessly absorbed the random violence. At least a dozen of the mob could be seen on video throwing themselves against the vehicle, pounding on the windows, ordering the driver and his mother to get out as they pulled on door handles and spat on the car. Now, the victims of the random violence, 36-year-old Max Turgovnik is a lifelong resident of the city, and his 70-something-year-old mother. She wouldn't give her age. I find that very endearing. They had just dropped off a donation for Housing Works, a nonprofit that allegedly fights homelessness and the AIDS crisis. Well, maybe next year they'll buy tickets to the policeman's ball instead. Uh, this is a mess, Pete, eh? Well, this is where it harkens back to the 80s and 90s. We have wolf packs. We have people out wilding. Uh, these types of, uh, these groups now are actually pretty common in Midtown. You see them all, you see the bikes during the day 
But at nighttime, you see these guys, they're out on, on ATVs, mini bikes, and they're usually followed by a bicycle wolf pack. You see them in Times Square, 50, 100 of them. Nobody's going to confront them. Nobody's going to stop them. And the cops are pretty much, even in that situation the other day, what are you going to do? You're going to grab one of them and, you know, you're going to ask them nicely to stop. We don't even have the laws in place anymore to enforce this kind of stuff, which brings us to another point. Why would you even bother? I, I hate to say it. I hate to be that guy. But if you put your hands on one of these kids, now these kids, I, I shouldn't say kids. Some of them were a bit older. These feral youth, they are severely challenged in the impulse control department. You don't think these kids aren't going to fight with the cops? You know, they're psychotic little bastards. So now you wind up getting into a scuffle with one of them. And God forbid there should be some type of chest compression. They're going to lock the cop up. Even if the arrest should go off perfectly and nobody gets hurt, Cyrus Vance is going to drop the charges. They're not putting anybody through the system for this. Now, this was a, a horrifying experience for everybody that was there that day. Not for the wolf pack, but anybody that was stuck in traffic. Those people were terrified. Luckily, nobody panicked because people can panic. And, and then you just get people that say, I'm not putting up with this shit. And I'm going to turn these little bastards into greasy skid marks on the road, which might not have been a bad thing either. I don't recommend it because then the DA will press charges and lock you up. But this is what we're back to now. This, this sense of palpable fear. You don't know what this was four o'clock in the afternoon on Fifth Avenue and Twenty First Street. No more central does it get. The woman, the elderly woman, was uh, screaming during their escape. We're going to die. They're going to kill us. <laughs> he was recalling the harrowing experience. This guy uh, Turgovnik uh, to the post the day after it happened on Tuesday. It's something I never expected to happen in New York City. That's something like you would see on the streets of a war zone. You know, like Baltimore. I never thought New York would get this bad. Well, uh, Turgovnik and his mom had just dropped off, like I said, that charitable donation. Then they were on their way to uh, his father's neurology office. I slowed down to let these people get by, to let them get by, he said. But then they started surrounding the car on either side. One of the bikers did a wheelie, went into the back of my car. I stopped to make sure nobody was hurt. Huh, that might be a mistake. That's when the group began pounding on the car with their fists, feet, even bikes. I mean, I've watched the video of this a few times, in, and I've watched it from a few different angles. There's a guy pounding on the back window, and I think that he slams his elbow and fist into that window a good eight, ten times. Really hard. One guy jumps up, lands on the windshield with both feet. It's not like, you know, momentarily they kind of messed around with the car. They were really tearing into this guy's, uh, I guess, BMW, whatever. Uh, now, uh, that, that, that windshield jump was something else. So, I mean, it was, it was the, that, that got everybody really excited. Yeah, that was like some real Bruce Lee shit, like kung fu fighting. Um, I thought it was pretty amazing. But that said, when you research this incident a little bit further... They had a prior incident about 10 blocks north of there where they dragged a cabbie out of a car and beat the living shit out of him and left him in the street. So this was going on for quite a while, this pack causing mayhem. 
they were just looking to hurt somebody. Had this guy gotten out of the car that with his mother, they would have pounded his ass into the pavement. Um, on an interesting note, uh, I did a little research with this guy. He's a very big Joe Biden supporter. Yeah, he loves Joe Biden. And, you know, whoever you want to support, that's your business. My advice to people that are living in New York City or plan to be staying in New York City, take a look around at what's going on. All right. The reason why this is going on is because we have politicians like Joe Biden in office. We have this jackass mayor. We have a Bolshevik city council that is more intent on defunding the cops and restraining the cops. And they celebrate this. They, like, revel in all this violence. They're not going to do a damn thing about this. And quite honestly, they don't care if it happens again. Uh, the the safety of yeah. New York City, the people of New York, their safety is not on the minds of these politicians. No, not the slightest bit. And that's what burns me up about his rhetoric all the time when he talks about keeping everyone safe. What he's talking about is, of course, COVID, and we have some COVID updates, of course, later on. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz pointed out, uh, I guess this must have been in a tweet. He said, for a group this size outside, for a group this size outside in Bill de Blasio's New York City, these rioters are lucky. They weren't Jews gathering to pray or mourn. Wow. Very pointed, pointed comment. Yeah, it's harsh and and very astute and accurate. These kinds of things were happening all over the country in the, in, through the summer, but I don't know how much of it happened in New York City as far as attacking cars. I do know that, you know, a lot of businesses were, uh, you know, ripped apart, windows broken, a lot of uh, spray paint, a lot of bad stuff happened. You know, the response to that was to put a curfew on uh, the rest of us for some reason, but they were still allowed to proceed, you know, BLM, uh had the run of the city throughout, you know, well, as hell as long as they wanted to. And so then you see this, which is not a political group, but they're doing kind of the same thing. So you have to wonder. Uh, this is a point I want to bring up, is that we watched this for months. It's a standard tactic of Antifa and BLM, stopping traffic, terrorizing motorists, not letting motorists go whichever way it is they want to go. And we've seen hundreds of videos of this. This has been going on since last spring. Um, there's, there's been dozens of incidents right in Midtown where they stop traffic and screaming at motorists and, and, they, and they scare people. So these little mutants that were on these bicycles today, you know, they're all well-versed in social media. This is a, a world star hip hop moment, you know, like, yo, we're famous now. Truth of the matter is, Pretty much, there's not too many people in New York City that are going to stand up. You really want to make a world star hip hop video if people on the street decided to jump in and defend this man. I'm not advocating this because it's not for everybody. But you know what? These guys should have been carpet bombed. Should have been like a baby seal hunt for engaging in that kind of behavior. But this is what these kids have been watching, and it's been tolerated across the nation. Like, this is okay to do now. They don't do it in places like Texas. It doesn't happen in Texas because, in, you know, where Ted Cruz is from, you pull that down there, somebody's going to get out of the car and blow your brains out. They're not going to put up with that. They're not going to put up with it in the flyover states. In this shithole of the city that we live now, 
we're supposed to just suck this up and enjoy it. Yeah. Suck it up and enjoy it is exactly right. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this. This is uh, <laughs> de Blasio a few nights ago. Uh, if I have to, I'm, I think I may have to uh, take this headphone jack out. Maybe this is, uh, I, you know, he's, he's celebrating uh, the holidays in his own way uh, and kicking off the celebration for some local residents. Everybody ready? Yeah. All right. Happy Kwanzaa, New York City. Listen to that crowd. Happy Kwanzaa, New York City. <laughs> That's twice as many people uh, that as actually celebrate Kwanzaa in this city, I'm sure. And it's about 11. Kwanzaa's not a holiday. He's such a uh, douchebag. Happy Kwanzaa, New York City. He is. He's the worst. He 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 did a lot of talking about it. He applies it to social justice now. He applies it to, uh, you know, the the. I want to focus us on what it means to help each other in this really difficult opportunity. We're here in the Kwanzaa season. We're, We're here, here in, in the, the Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa season, season. Uh, and it's a time that really helps us think about opportunity uh, principles that are so powerful for guiding our lives, guiding our lives, particularly in a crisis opportunity. I got to tell you, the Kwanzaa principles—they uh, make so much sense anytime, but particularly in the tough times we're going through, they really shine through. So today is the fourth day of Kwanzaa. Today, today is, is the fourth, fourth day, day of, of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Today's uh, principle is Ujama or cooperative economics. It's a powerful concept. And I want to turn to Deputy Mayor Phil Thompson, who is someone who's been leading so many of the initiatives of this administration to help keep money in our communities, to help make sure that people have opportunity who didn't have to get more and more opportunity government opportunity i mean i get tired of talking about communism all the time but that's what he applies it to you know the redistribution and all of that let let us move on though before we get caught in another de blasio loop was dante safe each night this is my child dante safe 70 year old subway station attendant oh my god says he suffered multiple injuries he was shoved onto the tracks by a turnstile jumper on christmas eve just inches from the deadly third rail as 27 year old jonathan martinez allegedly pushed uh, Kumar Narinder onto the tracks at the uh, closed Nassau Avenue station on the G line. Oh, my God. Is there any lonelier place than the closed Nassau Avenue station on the G line at 2 a.m.? I don't think there is, after Narinder told him to leave. Uh, on a historical note, until the hipsters moved into Brooklyn, the G line, for all practical intents and purposes, nobody even knew it was there. It just ran under Brooklyn, out of Queens into Brooklyn, and people are like, uh, it's the G-Line. And nobody gave a shit about the G-Line. Same with the L train on 14th Street until the hipster invasion. Really? Yeah, they were almost like really just non-existent. That's a handy train if you live downtown near there. You know, If you want to get over to the uh, Lower East Side, you can, you can do it a little quicker. I mean, you know, I'm kind of used to walking a few blocks, but... You can get there. It is now, but back, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, the, especially the G was the local through Queens along the E and F line. You know, the G was one of these trains that would come by like about every other third day. It was just not a... <laughs> 
And if you missed it, you weren't going across Queens. That's it. That it's only got about five cars or something. It's it's like a it's shorter than your standard train. It looks funny. It pulls in and people have to usually kind of speed up their gait a little bit if they want to try and get on the stupid thing. Uh, this is what happened. Story of our times. Lower your mask. I have Corona. I'm going to give you Corona. Martinez allegedly said before he shoved him onto the tracks. This 20 year old MTA employee suffered multiple injuries from the fall, including, oh my God, a fractured spine. That's no good. Lacerations on his forehead and knees. If my hand touched third rail, I was no more. I was lucky. But I wonder if he lowered his mask. He has one prior arrest, Martinez does, uh, for drug driving. Uh, he's indicted Tuesday on charges, including first-degree attempted assault, first-degree attempted assault, and theft of services, $50,000 bail. Now, that's a weird bail to me for first-degree. At- I mean, I'm not saying that they should have a lower bail for him. But first-degree attempted assault, if they have a victim, why is it attempted assault? It seems like it's a full-blown assault. It sounds like that might be a a misprint in the pay. I mean, they may have screwed up what the actual charge is there. It's it's not an attempted assault. It's a completed assault. Usually, though, these guys in court, nobody gets arrested for attempted assault. You plead down to attempted assault. You don't get arrested for attempted assault. Now, if Martinez, I don't know if he gets a free cell phone or anything, but had he been paying attention to social media, because I see these ads all over Twitter, he could have gotten a free hotel room, free of charge. If you need to isolate, you too can stay in the finer hotels in midtown Manhattan. So that's oh, it. Wow. You think he actually has COVID? Or do you think you, I think he might have just been talking shit. But I mean, we don't know. We don't know, but guys say that shit all the time. We used to get that. Another big one was, was oh, I got AIDS. You know, spit on you and say you got AIDS. Yeah. Whether they do or they don't, you know, you don't know. Um, and nobody's going to tell us, and they're not going to tell Mr. Narender if this guy's got COVID either because it falls under HIPAA law. Well, then he'll have to go and get tested himself uh, automatically, then, from is my understanding, if, if there's any, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, then and if Mr. Narenda should pass, maybe. they'll turn around and classify this as a COVID death. <laughs> Train officials have repeatedly called for more cops on the transit system and harsher penalties for assailants. We have zero tolerance for these heinous attacks on our heroic workers. Okay. Uh, we're grateful Mr. Narenda is alive and we wish him a smooth and speedy recovery. New York City Transit has been laser-focused, the quote continues, working closely with prosecutors to hold perpetrators fully accountable. Publishing worker assault statistics weekly, calling for an increased police presence throughout the system. And they have called for that. They wanted more officers down there around the time that of, you remember, you recall the, uh, the, the big Antifa party that they had. I guess it was last year. Uh, it was no, it was January, January, 2019. Uh, yeah. And they, they said, we're doing this. And then they came down and they smashed up some stuff in the subway. Uh, that didn't seem, that did not seem to be as disruptive as advertised. Uh, at least from my perspective, of course, I didn't really get a very good look at it. I don't know exactly what happened. I only saw a couple of things, a couple of, uh, doors locked open here and there, uh, you know, where they've locked the subway door open so people can go in for free. It's really not about, um, you know, policing that is really not about just getting the fare. It's also about, you know, other crimes. We've talked about that before. Uh, someone jumps the subway uh, turnstile. Maybe they've got a gun, et cetera, et cetera. 
but in this case, uh, the guy, you know, it seems like what business did he have down there anyway? It was closed. Uh, you know, what's your take on uh, Martinez here? Do you think he's uh, a homeless guy? What do you think? Uh, homeless guy with COVID? He's probably camped out in one of the tunnels. Um, it, it's of trust me, it's of no consequence to Martinez whether that station is open or not. Um, how did he get in there? If the, if the station is actually closed up, that means he was there before, uh, pretty good shot. He's living in the tunnels down there. Hopefully a rat subway. (laughs) I think I could finish that myself. Yeah. Hopefully a rat throws up his ass and he dies. Uh, You know, you know, it's funny. You talk about that January, 2019. That was when we first started with defund transit. That was their walk cry. And they did over about a half million dollars damage that day. But what morphed out of that defund transit was defund the police. That was the genesis of defund the police. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was uh, it was also like the first example of just planned lawlessness that I've seen, you know, advertised promoted on on social media allowed to be promoted on social media and you'd be, we began to see them really declaring a side in the whole thing in a, in a new way in terms of big tech uh, a lot more officers down there would be great i think uh where you have a, a stronger police presence you have less crime that's the whole idea behind compstat i guess uh, here's my question uh why you know why can't that happen well it's like everything else everybody's shorthanded you got to remember, we lost 3,000 cops this year so far. Um, and they're only starting to backfill the classes now. So everybody's kind of shorthanded. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the it doesn't matter. You could put 100 cops down there in each station. If the cops' hands are tied when it comes to doing their job, is it going to stop anything? It's not. Because these people, people like Martinez don't care. You know, that's a guy that he's just wandering around down there looking for trouble. We've discussed this before. We have a spate of these subway pushings. And it, it seems like it's becoming more and more popular with each passing week. Um, uh-huh. If you, a guy like Martinez, they should lock his ass up. He should be in Rikers. Let him sit out there for a year. Who gives a shit if he sits in jail? I don't care. I'm not worried about bail reform for him. He's a savage. He belongs in jail. Chances are he probably have a, a psychological issues that the only chance that this guy is going to get of getting any help is if he's in jail where he has to take his meds every day. Uh-huh. Let yeah, all the lunatics true. out. That, that works. Well, they just dumped Rikers out because of COVID. And it seems to me like they were the ones that were safer than anybody. I mean, they, they're just telling everybody to stay home. Uh, they were they were staying where they were. That was the whole idea, right? I mean, just uh, I don't know how many households are there or whatever, but, you know, it, it's also not like they're, uh, well, hell, I don't really know what goes on at Rikers or how it's configured, but uh, it, it, it's, I the whole idea was to build a bunch of other jails, and I, I don't know of any new jails, and I, I don't think that they really want to detain anybody anyway in that sort of a situation. And I'm not really sure what the logic is behind that. There is no logic. The only reason why they want to build new jails, it's an opportunity for graft. That's it. The, the, the jails that they have are 
perfectly functional. A lot of these places have been rehabbed over the last couple of decades. The cost for these new jails is absolutely staggering. It's around $14, $15 billion. When you have a perfectly good jail, which de Blasio was trying to sell Rikers Island to developers, which I think has since been shot down, but you have a perfectly good jail out there. That's where they belong, on an island where you can't get off of. It's 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 mind boggling. We don't have the money to even spend on these things. But then again, you let all these people out of Rikers Island, but we're locked up in our apartments. These animals are walking around in the street doing whatever they want, whatever they feel like it. They're getting free hotel rooms, and we have to suck it up and sit in our apartment. Yeah, we're yeah. in bizarro it's world. A, what we a world. really we're in the bizarro universe now. Everything we're, it's just insane. You're right, Pete. We're in the capital of of clown world here. This is, I think, it's the world capital of, of that particular uh, world. And, and and here's more on COVID. The New York City Police Department searching for a group of six suspects that they say punched a woman in a face, punched a woman in the face, not just a face, her face, several times, and they did it because she wasn't wearing a mask. That was their rationale. I doubt that is the real reason why. Uh, it was in December, uh, a group of, the, of three men and women, just like uh, friends, uh, attacked a 32-year-old woman uh, riding a subway. Uh, police said in a statement, now, uh, the group got into a verbal argument with the woman and punched her in the face several times. They, they keep repeating that, leaving her with bruises. Police said the suspects made anti-Asian statements relative to the relative to the coronavirus. Uh, to the woman, uh, they probably called it the uh, Kung Flu or the China virus, you know, parroting uh, their favorite president. They're, they're obviously big supporters. This is a, a, the, the photo of them. Uh, is, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you see anti-Asian stuff. Typically, you know, and this is just speaking from what I've observed, it's, it's, it's a, some kind of an unhinged uh, African-American uh, black uh, uh, sort of individual. Uh, this seems to be a group that answers that description uh, roughly. And so, you know, the, <laughs> the theory is always that they're emboldened by Trump. That's difficult for me to imagine. So uh, is there tension between the Asian community and the black community to begin with? I, I think there's always been a little bit of underlying tension in some respects, um, especially especially when we had serious ghettos, which we don't have to the degree that we had years ago, but most of your merchants were Korean, they were Chinese, um, you know, they had the, the delis, the bodegas, the Chinese uh, restaurants and stuff. And they always seemed to be like a little bit of an underlying current. It was Hawkins back to Dinkins days when we had the Korean deli boycott out in Brooklyn. There was, had been an incident between the owners of the deli and people in the neighborhood. And they started this freaking jihad out there against them. And it was encouraged by the mayor, David Dinkins. You know, at the end of the day, if you're a civic leader or, or the, the, the mayor, whoever you are, you can't encourage this kind of behavior, you know, and that's what same kind of crap that Bill de Blasio encourages. In this particular case, you know, it sucks that when you get punched in the face, it's only a misdemeanor assault. That's what this woman's going to remember is getting her face punched in. I'm sure somewhere along the way, 
somebody called her a chink or a gook. Um, that's what raises it to the level of a felony is now it becomes a bias type crime. Um, do I really think it was over a, the mask? No, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it was over the mask. I just think they were being little scumbags and tune this poor lady up. And, and that's kind of the problem with the whole mentality surrounding the mask right now is that it's seen as like uh, that if you don't have it on, you don't count. You get what's coming to you. We don't care if you die of any disease. You don't even deserve a ventilator. You hear all kinds of things. And, and I think that is a, uh, a bit of a problem. I truly do. It's a major problem because now people are like being relegated to non-entity status. You're like being dehumanized because you don't wear a mask. And um, in some cases, people have a legitimate reason not to wear a mask. Um, I wear when I go out for one reason and one reason only. I really just don't feel like getting into a fist fight with some Karen carrying on about wearing a mask. I keep my distance from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stay away from people. I don't antagonize people. Am I tired of it? I'm ready to heave these things in the garbage. Um, we don't know if they work. They say they work, and then you get a study that says they don't work. I don't know what the answer is. All I know is, is I am sick and tired of it, but I don't want to be yeah. dehumanized if I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah, you get othered. They, that's the word they use is othered. Well, you see these other people. I see I see these knuckleheads driving around in cars wearing their mask. I'm like, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? These are the same people that drive 30 miles an hour in the left lane who, as far as I'm concerned, should just be, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, run them off the road. <laughs> yeah. We're more afflicted with it here in New York City only because of the current state of leadership here is, you know, you, you're a criminal if you're not wearing your mask. And, you know, you, you're to be shunned. Yeah, they truly do give that impression that, that, well, new normal is what they keep saying. And I don't know that they have the authority to decide norms in that way. I really, I don't feel as if that is uh, truly... Uh, falls falls within there the purview of uh, whatever the responsibility of their office is intended to be. Now, if you look at the numbers, though, I'm looking at numbers right now, COVID numbers. Uh, you know, they they don't they're not particularly uh, bad. I mean, they don't. Uh, there there's nothing dramatic about them. They've been preparing us for this um, wave, this upcoming surge. You know, that's their favorite word, uh, the surge. Uh, has been coming now for quite a while, and yeah, I just I'm not seeing it. You know, uh, look at the numbers to right now. Uh, now they go by cases a lot, but that's of course confirmed and likely cases. So uh, there's I don't know how many of those there should or shouldn't be. This is in uh, uh, in New York City. It's about the same anyway for the state. The infection rate is 1.05. And then it explains that it's still spreading, but slowly it says, and it has been flatlined since the since the stuff that happened in uh, March and April. Flatlined, also flatlined. Positive test rate, four point eight percent. That's a seven day average. And it says it indicates adequate testing. And then if you look on the state at the hospitals, the the last number I saw this was earlier today. It's it's eight uh, percent, and it said, "Yeah, they're well prepared in the event of another surge." So all the urgency, all the talk about further restrictions and more lockdowns and shutdowns, and even just what's happening now, 
none of this makes any sense. I guess they're sort of relying on people to not know the information, and if they do know it, not to care. Well, the information that's coming out, it's so, it's a contradiction. Every day, it's a different set of standards. It, it, it's mind-boggling that we, we have no clear answers. They keep, uh, Fauci keeps moving the goalpost. He's come out and actually has admitted that now. You go to other places, you see how it is in other states, and they're wide open for business. I don't know. I don't know what the status is in the hospitals. I know uh, Jones Hospital is a little bit busy. What is going on? But I want to get back to our Asian friend who was beaten, uh, you know, by these. It was a 32-year-old woman riding a subway. By the way, if you know anything about this stuff, anything, if you know people that are going around beating people up, using anti-Asian slurs, and, uh, you know, being upset with people not wearing masks. Well, you need to call the Crime Stoppers hotline. 1-800-577-TIPS. 1-800-577-TIPS. Now, reports of racist attacks against Asian Americans have been rampant during the coronavirus pandemic. I don't know that they have. I really, I mean, I, I want to just go, yeah, sure. I've read about a few. But I think that the bias attacks against Asians are dwarfed by the Jewish and, and gay, you know, bias attacks and incidents. And this is according to uh, somebody who writes for Insider, I guess, uh, Lauren Frias. She reported uh, language such as Chi And of course, she lays it at the feet of Trump. Language such as Chinese virus to describe the coronavirus has created racist microaggressions targeting asian americans it just hasn't it just hasn't it has not done that i mean you know they used the china virus uh, all, all the news stations did steadily you know throughout the opening salvo of this thing one thing i gotta qualify anytime okay. i hear somebody using the phrase microaggression they immediately go on my pay-no-mind list because you're a fucking clown okay stop with the bullshit i don't want to hear it yeah. Trump's whole thing with the China virus, Trump's, maybe it's a Queens thing. I understand exactly what he says when he means it. Trump's language directed at the Chinese Communist Party. It's not the people of China. It's not Chinese people. It's the Chinese Communist Party. Now, if we had some Chinese communists walking around and people were targeting, targeting them and beating them up for being members of the Chinese Communist Party, I'd say... Let's have a field day, all right? Because um, oh. I have no use for Chinese communists. I fucking hate communists. In this particular case, you're dealing with ignorant morons. Uh, and like I said, I don't even believe that she was even targeted because she was Asian. This was just some stupid shit that got out of hand. And then the foul language started. Mm -hmm. Well, it, when they say reports of racist attacks, and then they close out the paragraph with microaggressions, you know, punching somebody in the face, far from a microaggression. Microaggression, you normally think of as like, uh, you, you say to somebody, oh, uh, you know, what country are you from? You know, assuming that they're not American or something like that. Uh, you're gay, which one of you guys is on top? You know, that's a microaggression, I suppose. Or, you know, I mean, and Trump is sort of like a walking microaggression. You know, that's, that's uh, it's like he said at the beginning of the campaign, we're sick of this PC shit, we're not doing it anymore. That's why he got elected.
So it says earlier this year, a video showed a passenger on a subway spraying what looked like a Febreze bottle at a nearby Asian man on a New York City subway. Uh, maybe the guy stank. I don't know. Insider again. Like, oh, I guess I'm reading insider.com. So they're quoting. It's it's a mag. It's a it's a website quoting itself. Asian American restaurant employees reported experiences of vandalism and anti Asian attacks at their business. Well, join the fucking club. Vandalism was pretty uh, widespread this past summer. In September, they voted on a resolution to urge public officials to condemn racism targeting Asian Americans amid a surge. There's not been a surge. There hasn't. I, I I don't even know if there's been what they call an uptick. You know, perhaps. I don't think people uh, are doing. I, I think that if they are doing it, it's these. When I when I look at these suspects, I do not see a Trump voter among them. I just don't. So let's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I know you don't have to necessarily be a Trump supporter to go by the rhetoric. But I mean, to be honest, they they don't look particularly uh, politically engaged. So that's what's going on with that woman beaten. How about a random slashing? I think we're due. A startling video released by NYPD Monday shows the moment a man randomly slashed a woman in the head, leaving her with a deep gash. Another one. 24-year-old woman was at the corner of Fulton Street and Franklin Avenue in Bedlam Crime Center, violent Brooklyn, around 4.20 a.m., Ooh, December 22nd, when the man approached her, cut her head with an unknown object. This, he did it very casually, if I'm seeing that video right. It does not look... He doesn't... He puts nothing into it. It's almost like he holds it out and lets her walk through the knife or something. Slash her in the back of the head. Now, did, did you watch this video? Could you... Could you? I couldn't even see it touch her. My question here is, what, what are you doing on Fulton Street and Franklin Avenue at 4.20 in the morning? You know... Unless she's going to work or, you know, not a good place to be standing, number one. Well, Pete, I, I, want, I want you to know, uh, just to quickly add to that, we, victim blaming is always welcomed here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. That's my first question as a cop that I would say to somebody. You know, I get the story, but I'm going to say, what were you doing here? And some people get irate. Some people would maybe, oh, some people would just say, I was on my way to work. Great. Cool. Wonderful. You know, and then yeah. she might yeah. could be also, well, I was out here smoking crack and sucking dick. Okay, well, let's take it a step <laughs> further now. In that order? <laughs> I'm not going to judge, was there a problem with a client? You know, because usually when, once you go through that one door, it leads to another door. But Fulton and Franklin, it's not really a great corner that you want to be on. Unless you got business, like you're going somewhere, you really don't need to be hanging out there. Yeah, here's the slashing. I want to show it to you. Because I'm telling you, I, I find it really odd. There it is right there, I guess. Just like that. Just like that. He just nips her. That's all you need. If you're using a straight razor or a box cutter, you can do some wicked damage, especially on the skull. Uh, you cut the skull, you bleed like a stuck pig. Looks like she, it, it looks like right at, at the last moment she tries to avoid him. Uh See, did you, do you notice that? Do you see how she she kind of she starts taking a step to the right? She thinks she's going to get bumped into. She doesn't even seem aware that she's cut. You know, I get so annoyed um, now. I read the articles all the time, but when you have to watch a two minute commercial now on some of the post articles, 
to get to the video. That is extremely annoying. Well, that's, I, you're, you're speaking my language, and I love talking about stuff like this, because what I hate about post videos is like about half the time, it's, it's got this stupid music, and it just like types lines basically from the story over it, and, and, and it's not a video of anything at all. It's just some bullshit that they, that they put together. And you're like, oh, I waited for this. What was it like policing in the city before you had all this video evidence all the time? I mean, it, it just seems... Believe it or not, we actually did get it done. Video became a, a phenomenon. It, it was it was coming up in the 90s, but it exploded after 9-11 uh, in 2001. And if you got video back then, it, it was like icing on the cake. It, you, you did some old-fashioned detective work. And it was difficult, especially with uh, with victims trying to do identifications and stuff. But jump ahead 20 years now, not only do we have video, but we have systems that can read the face and identify facial features. So it's a great investigative tool, um, especially it gives you the full story of what happened. Oftentimes, you know, People might shade their story for one reason or another. The video, you know, the camera doesn't blink. You see the whole story. So it, it's, oh. an, it's a huge advancement. Um, and uh, But we also kind of got away from being out on, well, maybe you don't want to be on the street anymore. But back in the day, we spent a lot of time on the street looking into stuff like this. Either interviewing people, yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing canvases, looking for witnesses. Um, and that's becoming like, granted, a lot of people don't like doing it, but it's becoming almost like a, a lost art form. What uh, exactly compels somebody, you think? Because this clearly was not a problem with the client or anything. There was no verbal exchange. Slasher in the back of the head. As you said, that's a, a pretty, can be a real hardcore bleeding deal. I mean, like, uh, that the, the guy's got to just be a little crazy, right? He's just one of these... You know, Chances are he's probably a little wacky. Um, you know, you always look for some kind of linkage between the victim and the and the, and the perpetrator, and and if it's not there, then you're just dealing with a sick bastard because there's just no reason to cut somebody like that. About the only bright yeah. side of this is the fact that she was cut on the back of her head and not in her face. Yeah, they won't show. Uh, the man it can be seen in the video described between 48 and 50. I don't know if they can get that specific with that man, but maybe they can. Five feet, 10, about 180. Last seen wearing a black coat, blue sweatshirt, blue sweatpants. Anyone with information in regard to his identity is asked to call 1 800 577 tips. That's 8477. If you just like to stick to the numbers, 1 800 577 tips. Or for Spanish, 1 888. Or Ocho 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 five seven pista pista the pub, I don't know I guess that's how you say tips in Spanish pista oh and, and if you're just like gonna hit the hit it up online Twitter at NYPD tips so that you know online media I mean social media I know is another great tool for law enforcement now because people do they'll put stuff up on Facebook live they'll put stuff up on Twitter you can learn a lot about uh, a suspect sometimes uh, by uh, you know just looking at their at their stuff what they're posting what they're saying 
and uh, you know, you, you can find out where they live. You can find out who they associate with. Maybe it's a it's a pretty good tool, I would say. Something that just didn't exist, couldn't be imagined, you know, years ago. Citizen app, it's can be a great investigative tool, and in that these people are going out there. They're just citizen videographers, whatever you want to call them. But you'll see them there panning the crowd, and sometimes they actually catch the incident. But sometimes you're also catching the perp standing there watching, you know, what he's done. Um, you'd be surprised. It, it, it's, it identifies, you know, for us, it helps us to find witnesses and stuff uh, who may have been standing out there when something happened. Um, they're not going to walk in and just, well, some good citizens will, but for the most part, you got to go out and find them first. This is a very strange video with this one from the post. Um, he's a distinctive looking dude. He's a very distinctive. Yes, he, he looks. You know the way he walked up on her. Um, because she, she, she paid him no mind as she was, you know, walking down the street, and like, there was no acknowledgement that they knew each other. And this loon just slashed her right in the back of the head. A little flick, a little flick, and do a lot of damage. Barely, though. barely moved his wrist. I mean, it's it's like uh, I, I guess. Uh, I suppose if you know how to flick your wrist right, you can make a queen disappear or whatever. I, I was looking at this, uh, the Citizen app, Shots Fired, Madison Street in Bedlam Crimes in Brooklyn. It's a good way to learn about the city. You get to see all different areas. The, the number of fires going on constantly. There's, there, there's shit on fire here it's every time I turn on this app. Yeah, there's, there's like always several big fires raging. That's crazy. Well, there was also a caveat with, with Citizen App. They put something over as, you know, fire at location. Oftentimes, it's, it's not a fire. It could be a smoke condition. The other the other night, they were posting some big building. You know, on the top of the building, it was, just, it was gold reflective light with steam coming out. You know, people like, ooh, look at this massive fire. No, it's, just, it's the same building that's had steam coming out of it for 25 years. Yeah. Some of it with a grain of salt. But it gives you an idea. Yeah. You can set it up for your own neighborhood of the amount of stuff that's going on. You know, the larcenies out, out of Dwayne Reed's with, with the fighting, um, robberies. You'd be amazed that there's so much stuff that you're unaware of that is actually happening very close to your home. We're covering crimes here. That's what we do. Uh, and we also cover court. And, and that's an important part of crime because... When you have these judges who do ridiculous things, they release people. It's, it's, it's I, I can't imagine the irritation you must have felt over the years. Now, a Bronx judge cut a teen murder suspect loose, only for him to allegedly slash a young woman in the stomach. Then he got sprung again by that very same judge, Supreme Court Justice Dennis Boyle. A boil on the ass of justice freed 16-year-old Jordan Benjamin without bail for the more recent December knife attack, allowing him to roam the streets despite the two pending cases for violent crime. He's cut a woman in the stomach, a girl. He's also uh, a murder. He's a murder suspect, for Christ's sake. He's, he's charged with murder. So he's a defendant, I guess, at that point. Uh, his alleged victims and their families are furious, of course. And now... But this is one of those things because he's what? How old is he? 16, did I say? 16? Now, if you are 17, you go to family court 
which doesn't even have a prosecutor. It has a uh, corporation council or something like that. It's prosecuted. It's not prosecuted. They they actually want you to, like, uh, if you're the victim, they want you to sit down with the perpetrator and work out your differences or something. It's it's odd. And and so the few numbers they can say, well, crime is going down. Some people try to like say, oh, no, look at that. It's down in this category, that category. I think it's because the DAs won't prosecute it or the laws have legalized it, they've decriminalized it, or it's the crimes that are done by 17 and under who aren't dealt with in criminal court. Up until... A few years ago, this was the precursor to criminal justice reform, was when they changed the laws for charging juveniles, quote-unquote, 16- and 17-year-olds, how they used to be charged with felonies. These kids would go straight out the Rikers, all right? They didn't release them back into, you know, civilization to go out and do evil shit. Um, or they were up in Spofford and where, where they belong, to be quite honest with you. Where's Spofford? What, what is that? Spofford's up in the Bronx, up in the 41st Precinct. Um, so what's happening now, and this started the year before the criminal justice reforms hit this year. And it, it was, you could see where this was heading. All right? You knew this was going to be bad. And then they add criminal justice reform on top of it. All right. There's absolutely no reason, reason why this kid is on the streets none he don't belong on the streets i don't care if he's 16 he's already out committing murders so i should say allegedly committing murders and he's got multiple i believe he also has a, he's got multiple gun collars too um this I'm little sure bastard belongs in jail and this is what you know this is what oh he, we need decarceration to get these kids out of the system. I well, I hate to piss in anybody's weedies. Um, pretty good shot that this kid's already lost. If you're killing people at sixteen, you're a bad kid. You you, you know the your your future road is not paved with happiness. It's 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 not good. But what about killing people at fifteen? Because the first case against him is from Christmas Eve, twenty nineteen. We all celebrate in our own way, I guess, you know, uh, the first case, I guess, of Christmas Eve 2019, 60, it's, it was 60 year old Juan Fresnada was walking with his roommate when police said the pair were assaulted by a group of teenagers, allegedly including Benjamin. Video of the brutal attack shows that Fresnada was stomped and pounded with a garbage can. He died from his injuries three days later at Lincoln Hospital. Is this the guy? Yes, he was, he was, with, he, he was a gay guy. Yeah, I, I remember this one. I, I had that video up for a bit. That was a brutal beating. He was beaten to death. And, I, like, the guy was much younger. Uh, his his roommate, you know, uh, was, was like, in his 30s or something. And this was a 60-year-old guy. One for, and he was supposed to be, a, I mean, he was a really sweet guy. He was just saying, run, get away, get away. And then they just, they asked him for a dollar. I think they took a dollar from him out of his pocket or something. There was something about it being a dollar. Uh, but this was, yeah, that was a big story. And so he was, wow, he was part of that group. Uh, <laughs> unreal that he's out. Why this nasty little scumbag is even out on the streets. There's none, no reason at all should this kid be out. Zero judicial accountability, just zero. They're not accountable to anybody. If they let somebody go and they do something, that's something that Ralph Friedman 
also the retired NYPD. I'm sure that you guys must have crossed paths at some point. Uh, he says that that that's what we need is judge and parole board accountability. You know, uh, it's it's all about police accountability. He says there's plenty of that. You know, what we need is is a judge and parole board accountability. Couldn't agree more because they are completely unaccountable. As I said, uh, Boyle did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Okay, so here's what happened to him after that. It says here, yes, the teens got away with $1. Benjamin was initially confined, uh, and just to sort of trace the story a little bit, confined to the Crossroads Juvenile Center in Brooklyn on a manslaughter charge freed by Boyle in March due to concerns over the coronavirus behind bars. So he's one of these corona releases that I was just talking about that we've been discussing. And then he allegedly slashed Hicks. That's the uh, victim in the other one on the Intervale Avenue, on Intervale Avenue in the Bronx, not far from his Hall Place home. He was arrested three days later, charged with felony assault and attempted assault, misdemeanor weapons possession, released without bail. So... So felony assault is not that's that's not a bail crime now. No, no robbery, three burglaries, none of that stuff. You don't go. Nobody's going to jail for that anymore. It's it's absolutely incredible that we get guys that do ten or fifteen bergs, they get arrested, they're back out on the street within hours. Same thing with guys doing robberies. They're turned right back loose on the street. That's criminal justice reform. Oh my god. I think I think that they've what they've done is eliminated it, as as uh, his roommate agrees. Thirty year old uh, Bayron Caceres, that's his roommate, the old the, the guy who was murdered up in the Bronx, the uh, old sixty year old uh, gay individual. It's injustice. I thought he was on trial. I thought he was in jail. It is unbelievable to me the injustice. People don't like this. People don't like not not getting any sort of uh, justice. It's just not it's just not kosher, as they say. Speaking of not kosher, do you ever eat at Murray's Bagels? You ever ever get a bagel there on Eighth Avenue, around twenty, close to twenty third, twenty second, and twenty third? No, I can't say. But the Murray's classic place. Since the time I moved to New York City, I was told go to Murray's, get great bagels. They didn't even toast them. They re- they used to refuse to toast them. So I go up there. I say, you know what? I haven't been to Murray's in a long time. I go up there. You know what? It's called Zucker's now. Nobody's in there, of course. And you know, nothing is the same anymore. The New York City that we once had slipped through our fingers, and uh, there's no hope for 2021. It's something that I began to feel once I had edited the last show that we did. That man, you know what? There's no indication to 2021, it being Mayor de Blasio's last year, and with him having the power that he has, it, it, it's it, it's comical the degree to which he is going to sink his teeth into this place, shake it around like a honey badger, and uh, just kill the life uh, that's remaining in this place. When they say, oh, New York City's not dead, well, I don't know. I'm not so sure. It's back. I don't know. Why even be here? Because there's no restaurants, there's no nightlife, there's no entertainment. It's becoming violent. It's dirty. You got these little savages running around, you know, assaulting people. So why be here? And who's going to fill up those buildings in Hudson Yards? What companies are going to move in there? I I mean, I think, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm thinking de Blasio is going to drive this place 
so far into a hole that when the foreclosures start and the tax liens, like when the, when the big collapse comes, then his buddies in China are just going to move in and start scoffing stuff up. Probably the plan, right? I mean, that's probably the plan all along. Devalue the shit out of all the property. Give your friends at the CCP a deal. And, you know, I'm sure that he'll get uh, rewarded handsomely for that. His career politically is over in the United States of America. I feel very confident of that, short of, like, being appointed to some bullshit by uh, someone such as Kamala, Kamala Harris when she becomes president uh, in the event that, that things yeah, that go might that be on January 22nd. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> well... Like I said, not a lot of reason to hope. Have you noticed all the stories that are coming out now about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's laptop in the last week or two? And suddenly they're they're not so they're not so conspiratorial. <laughs> and the media is all over it, you know. And I'm like, wow, now you're all over it. They're gonna boot Joe's ass out of there, lickety split. You'll see the FBI get off their ass after they take office, and all of a sudden it's gonna be uh, Joe. You got a problem here. Um, and Joe, for the good of the nation, will step down with dignity. Pete, uh, you know, your experience, your time and, and your interest in this show, it's invaluable. I can't say thank, uh, thanks enough for uh, hanging around, uh, and, and talking about all this stuff because you really give some valuable insights. Thank you very much uh, for the times you've done that in 2020 and, and I hope to see you more in 2021. Absolutely, Pat. Let's hope that 2021 is a better year than 2020 because 2020 sucked. So happy <laughs> new year, Pat. And uh, happy new year. let's give a shout out to the boys. They're all asking about you, Charlie and Dave and Joe and the guys in Manhattan South homicide and, Manhattan South Nightwatch. Um, they, they're missing you. They're missing their Pat Dixon fix. Okay, well, we'll be back in Compound, I'm telling you, very soon. A, a week from tomorrow, a week after. Now, they take these extended breaks. I don't like it. I'd be on every night if they let me. They just won't. They, <laughs> they, I'm on literally the number of times they'll let me be on. But, yeah, absolutely. Shout out to those guys. Thanks for listening, uh, guys who are out there doing police work and and which is you know the kind of shit i can barely talk about uh let alone even imagine doing thanks so much for doing that and thanks for listening above all you know because that's that's what you call uh the perfect demographic i think for the show police all have a good sense of humor that's what i've noticed i've never met a cop who did not uh well i've had a few bosses that when they saw me walk in the office the smile left their face but that's just me All right, Pete, thanks again, and thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. I enjoy it. That's something I actually got into in the pandemic. God bless the NYPD. Particularly in the tough times we're going through, they really shine through.